Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to talk about our favorite cameos in movies. Now, these are super fun because often cameos are the ones that steal the show. So I have mine broken up into various categories from directors to musicians to actors to athletes. So we're going to have a lot of fun for this one. So let's get right into my list right now. Okay, let's start with directors, and arguably one of the most famous directors of all time is Alfred Hitchcock, and he kind of started this whole cameo craze. He appeared in 39 of his 52 films, starting with 1937's Young and Innocent, and, you know, it became almost a thing where you had to look out for Alfred Hitchcock, and he was very noticeable, he had that figure and everything, but uh, often he would have his cameos in the beginning of a movie because he didn't want to take away from the plot. So usually um, look for him in the beginning and, and then you will never see him again. But uh, yeah, he, if anybody was going to be on this list, it was going to be Alfred Hitchcock. I don't have a specific one, but he's worth mentioning. We have other guests that will mention their favorite Hitchcock cameos. All right, along the same lines, he's not a director, but he is arguably the most famous comic book writer and and, uh, illustrator of all time, and that's Stan Lee. He appears in all the Marvel movies. Um, You you look out for him, and he's great, but one of his best cameos was Mallrats. Mallrats is he's obviously playing himself, and Jason Lee comes up to him after uh, this huge line for everyone trying to see him, and it's actually a, a really good scene. So Stan Lee is definitely on there. Hey, look at that couple. Boy, they sure seem to be in love, huh? You know, what's with that? That's the second time you've commented on couples in love. Well, I, I like that sort of thing. Tell me, do you have a girlfriend, Brody? Had one. We just broke up. The thing. Is this dork made of orange rock like the rest of his body? <laughs> it's a superhero secret. Tell me, Brody, uh, why did you and your girlfriend break up? She was a pain in the ass. She wanted me to be this typical boyfriend guy. Said I was too into my own world of comics and all. Yeah. I can relate. There was a time when it was all about comics for me, you know? I I had a girl probably the same as yours. She always complained that I spent too much time with my own comics, and uh, eventually we broke up. See, what did she know? Here you are now, a legend in the field. Probably had a slew of women since her, am I right? Oh, lots of women. Jagger and me, we had a running contest to see who had the most. Matter of fact, last time I looked, I was way ahead. Damn, that's hot! But I never forgot that girl. Well, did you ever get back together with her? One day I found out she got married. I had blown it. I had uh, missed my window. No way. Well, what'd you do? I went on with my life. I created some special new superheroes. Uh, They were characters that reflected my own heartbreak and my own regrets. How so? Dr. Doom wears body armor to conceal his own mangled form, right? Yeah. Okay, that was me beneath the armor. The Hulk, a normal guy one minute, a rage of emotions the next. Just like me when I thought about what I'd given up. So you created each character as a way to deal with your one big regret. Yeah, the girl that got away. Look, do yourself a favor, Brody. Don't wait, because all the money, all the women, 
Even all the comic books in the world, they can't substitute for that one person. I don't know, all the comics in the world? Trust me, true believer. Well, good talking to you. Keep up all the good work. You keep reading them. I'll keep writing them. Hey, Stan. Yeah? She really meant that much to you? Brody, I'd give it all up. All of it. For just one more day with her. Take care. Stan. Hi. Hey. hey, you know, I think he bought it. Yeah? yeah? Yeah, what kind of story did you give him? Oh, it was the vulture soliloquy, you know, from the Spider-Man anniversary issue. Love, be a vulture tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough, Mr. Oh, forget it. But, you know, I think you ought to get him some help. He seems to be really hung up on superhero sex organs. But I'll you'll outgrow it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Martin Scorsese and Taxi Driver. Ooh, this is a brutal scene. <laughs> Martin Scorsese is not likable. Not many people are likable in Taxi Driver. But uh, yeah, you got to mention Scorsese in Taxi Driver. One of the films that is one of my favorites is The Blues Brothers. And if you aren't looking for it, you might miss Steven Spielberg at the end of the film. He's at the Cook County um, Assessor's Office when The Blues Brothers are trying to pay uh, for the Penguin's home, which is the, the church. And so they raised the money. They gave five grand. And the guy taking the five grand is Steven Spielberg. If you miss it, if you, if you blink, you'll probably miss it. But it's a great scene. If you've ever seen the movie Creep Show, Stephen King appears in it. Now, he's not a director, but he is a writer. So he's kind of along the lines of the Stanley, you know, category. So I put him in there and he makes uh, a little cam- These are like little vignettes, Creep Show, and it's all based on this, uh, you know, comic book. And uh, Stephen King appears in that. Roman Polanski in Chinatown. He makes a, a quick cameo, much like Scor- Martin Scorsese, and he uh, puts a blade to Jack Nicholson's nose and slices open his nose, which kind of affects the way Jack looks for the rest of the film as he has to wear a Band-Aid. Okay, let's get into actors. Uh, Anchorman, the scene where all the anchors are fighting each other, especially in the first one, is absolutely hilarious. You get Ben Stiller showing up, Tim Robbins, Luke Wilson. There are many others, but that's a great scene. Uh, along the same lines, the Muppet movie just chock full of cameos you have steve martin bob hope dom deloise madeline Kahn, edgar bergen elliot gould milton burl james coburn orson wells richard pryor chorus leachman carol kane telly Silvalis. i mean there's just so many it's just a great film the original muppet movie from 1979 Along the same lines, you have This is Spinal Tap. Now, this is a lot of fun because you're getting a lot of uh, actors that are kind of eventually will become super famous. You have Billy Crystal, Fran Drescher, uh, but you already have Bruno Kirby's in it, Fred Willard, Angelica Houston. Uh, They're kind of at the party scenes and throughout uh, throughout the film, but those are great cameos in This is Spinal Tap. Okay, so one of the greatest all-time cameos uh, is in Pulp Fiction, and that is Christopher Walken. I mean, how can you not... Think of the watch. <laughs> it's all that's. I mean, his basically his five minutes on screen steals the show. Butch, stop watching TV a second. Yeah, Now, do you remember when I told you your daddy died in the POW camp? Well, this here is Captain Coons. He was in the POW camp with Daddy. Hello. Little man, boy, I sure heard a bunch about you. See, I was a good friend of your dad's. We were in that Hanoi pit of hell together over five years. Hopefully, 
You'll never have to experience this yourself, but when two men are in a situation like me and your dad were for as long as we were, you take on certain responsibilities of the other. If it had been me who'd not made it, Major Coolidge, you'd be talking right now to my son, Jim. But the way it turned out, I'm talking to you. Butch. I got something for you. This watch I got here was first purchased by your great-grandfather during the First World War. It was bought in a little general store in Knoxville, Tennessee. Made by the first company to make wristwatches. Up till then, people just <laughs> carried pocket watches. It was bought by private doughboy Orion Coolidge on the day he set sail for Paris. This was your great-grandfather's war watch, and he wore it every day he was in that war. And, and he'd done his duty, went home to your great-grandmother, took the watch off, put an old coffee can, and in that can it stayed till your granddad, Dane Coolidge, was called upon by his country to go overseas and fight the Germans once again. It's time they called it World War II. Great-grandfather gave this watch to your granddad for good luck. Unfortunately, Dane's luck wasn't as good as his old man's. Dane was a Marine, and he was killed, along with all the other Marines at the Battle of Wake Island. Granddad was facing death. He knew it. None of those boys had any illusions, but they were leaving that island alive, so three days before the Japanese took the island, your granddad asked a gunner, on an Air Force transport named a Wanaki. Man he never met before in his life. To deliver to his infant son, we'd never seen in the flesh, his gold watch. Three days later, your granddad was dead, but Wanaki kept his word. After the war was over, he paid a visit to your grandmother, delivering to your infant father his dad's gold watch. This watch. This watch. It was on your daddy's wrist when he was shot down on that Hanoi. He was captured, put in a Vietnamese prison camp. He knew that if the gooks ever saw the watch, it'd be confiscated, taken away. The way your dad looked at it, this watch was your birthright. You'd be damned if any slope's gonna put the greasy yellow hands on his boy's birthright, so he hid it. In one place he knew he could hide something, his ass. Five long years he wore this watch, up his ass. Then he died of dysentery. He'd give me the watch. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass two years. Then, after seven years, I was sent home to my family. And now, little man, I give the watch to you. Along the same lines, you have Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. It's easy to say. Um, he's the same way. He's in the beginning. He his speech is about ten minutes long. You never see him again, but he absolutely steals the show. Let me have your attention for a moment. Because you're talking about what? You're talking about bitching about that sale you shot some son of a bitch don't want to buy land somebody don't want what you're selling some broad you're trying to screw so forth let's talk about something important are they all here all but one well i'm going anyway let's talk about something important put that coffee down coffee's for closers only <laughs> you think i'm fucking with you 
I am not fucking with you. I'm here from downtown. I'm here from Mitch and Murray. And I'm here on a mission of mercy. Your name's Levine? Yeah. You call yourself a salesman, you son of a bitch? I don't gotta listen to this shit. You certainly don't, pal. Because the good news is you're fired. The bad news is you've got all you've got just one week to regain your job, starting with tonight. Starting with tonight's sit. Oh, have I got your attention now? Good. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. You get the picture? You laughing now? You got leads. Mitch and Murray paid good money. Get their names to sell them. You can't close the leads you're given. You can't close shit. You are shit. Hit the bricks, pal, and beat it, because you are going out. The leads are weak. The leads are weak. The fucking leads are weak. You're weak. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. And your name is your wanting. And you can't play in the man's game. You can't close them. Then go home and tell your wife your troubles. Because only one thing counts in this life. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. You hear me, you fucking faggots? A, B, C. A, always, B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. A, I, D, A. Attention, interest, decision, action. Attention. Do I have your attention? Interest. Are you interested? I know you are, because it's fuck or walk. You close or you hit the bricks. Decision. Have you made your decision for Christ? An action. A-I-D-A. -A. Get out there. You got the prospects coming in. You think they came in to get out of the rain? A guy don't walk on the lot lest he wants to buy. They're sitting out there waiting to give you their money. Are you going to take it? Take it. What's the problem, pal? You, Moss. You're such a hero. You're so rich. How come you're coming down here wasting time with such a bunch of bumps? You see this watch? You see this watch? Yeah. That watch costs more than your car. I made $970,000 last year. How much you make? You see, pal, that's who I am, and you're nothing. Nice guy? I don't give a shit. Good father? Fuck you. Go home and play with your kids. You want to work here? Close. You think this is abuse? You think this is abuse, you cocksucker? You can't take this. How can you take the abuse you get on a sit? You don't like it? Leave. I can go out there tonight. The materials you got make myself $15,000. Tonight, in two hours, can you? Can you? Go and do likewise. A-I-D-A. -A. Get mad, you son of a bitches. Get mad. 
You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass balls to sell real estate. Go and do likewise, gents. The money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. You want to go out on those sits tonight and close, close, it's yours. Not, you're going to be shining my shoes. And you know what you'll be saying? Bunch of losers sitting around in the bar. Oh, yeah. I used to be a salesman. It's a tough racket. These are the new leads. These are the Glengarry leads. And to you, they're gold. And you don't get them. Why? Because to give them to you is just throwing them away. They're for closers. I wish you good luck, but you wouldn't know what to do with it if you got it. And to answer your question, pal, why am I here? I came here because Mitch and Murray asked me to. They asked me for a favor. I said, the real favor, follow my advice and fire your fucking ass because a loser is a loser. Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder appears in a fat suit. Tremendous. Artie Lang playing the mall Santa and Elf is absolutely priceless. I'll never forget being in the movie theater when Will Ferrell goes up to him. He's like, you're not Santa. Yes, I am. Zippy. And then uh, says he smells like uh, beef and cheese. And that was that was great. Santa. Who the heck are you? What are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Uh, why, of course I am. <laughs> you're Santa. What song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Uh, happy birthday, of course. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? No, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Okay, good. <gasps> <gasps> he's a monster! He's a fake! All right, 21 Jump Street, the film, not to give it away, but Johnny Depp and um, Peter DeLuise make a cameo, uh, revising their TV roles of 21 Jump Street. Wayne's World 2, you get Charlton Heston, who's working at a gas station. In the Kentucky Fried movie, which was very low budget, uh, directed by John Landis and the Zucker Brothers, who of course went on to do the airplane movie, but Donald Sutherland plays the clumsy waiter, which is crazy because he's in it for literally 10 seconds, but they got Donald Sutherland to be in it. 
And back to school with Rodney Dangerfield from 1986, they got the real Kurt Vonnegut to appear. This is when um, Rodney had to write a paper on Vonnegut's uh, book, and Vonnegut wrote the uh, report, and he ended up getting a C. <laughs> so there you go. Hi, I'm Kurt Vonnegut. I'm looking for Thornton Mellon. Uh, what do you think? Someone else wrote this? Look, all I know is that you didn't, and that's what disappoints me. Tell you something else, whoever did write it doesn't know the first thing about Kurt Vonnegut. And another thing, Vonnegut, I'm going to stop payment on a check. What's that? Fuck me. Hey, Kurt, you read lips. Fuck you! Next time I'll call Robert Ludlow. Uh, in Dirty Work and Do's Big Low, Adam Sandler helps out his friends, and he appears in both. He has a kind of a... Uh, Artie and Norm eat some uh, bad psychedelic brownies and they start seeing things. And so they start hallucinating that uh, they're seeing the devil while driving. And the devil, of course, is played by Adam Sandler. Also in Deuce Biglow, he plays this kind of uh, hippie stoner that works at a head shop that keeps telling uh, Deuce where to buy something. And inevitably, everything that you could buy, you could put your weed in. So there you go. In Young Frankenstein, Gene Hackman plays the blind man. Tremendous scene. If you didn't know it was Gene Hackman, you you, you would never guess that it was him because it's not, he's not very uh, recognizable in it. A real funny cameo is Neil Patrick Harris and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. He just plays an insane, drugged-out person. In Spaceballs, John Hurt revises his role from Alien at the end of the film where they eat something bad and then magically the alien pops out of his stomach and he says, oh, not again. And then <laughs> the uh, alien starts dancing to show tunes. It's a great scene. All right, Matt Damon in Euro Trip, funny in the beginning, and he's part of a punk band and he keeps singing the song Scotty Doesn't Know. And of course, he doesn't realize that his... Uh, Scotty doesn't realize his girlfriend is hooking up with pretty much everyone, <laughs> including Matt Damon. All right, Wedding Crashers and Will Ferrell. Uh, Will Ferrell kind of plays the original Wedding Crasher. He's kind of down on his luck, uh, doesn't do much with his life, and that's how uh, Vince Vaughn and, and uh, Owen Wilson could end up if they continue with this life. The movie Stand Alive, it was directed by Sylvester Stallone, and he pulls his own Hitchcock and appears in it in the very beginning wearing a fur coat. Okay, one of the funniest cameos of all time, and if you're if you're a new viewer to Airplane, you, you're not going to understand how funny this scene is, but Barbara Billingsley, of course, famously played Mrs. Cleaver in Leave it to Beaver, who is the most wholesome mother of all time ends up speaking jive to the <laughs> black guys on the plane. It is absolutely priceless. Barbara Billingsley in Airplane. Can I get you something? Some more folk buttering into the bone. Jacking me up. Tight me. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Cuddy say can't hang. Oh, Stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. All right, would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She's gonna catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama didn't raise no dummies. I duck a rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. Chump don't want to help, Chump don't get the help. Say can't hang, say seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in here. Adam Sandler movie, Happy Gilmore. Of course, how can you forget 
Adam Sandler, Happy Gilmore, getting in a fight with Bob Barker for a charity golf tournament. Excellent. The Duke Brothers. So if you remember the Duke Brothers, played by Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy, they were originally in Trading Places. So what is Eddie Murphy doing coming to America? He brings back the Duke Brothers. It is absolutely priceless. And if you're a fan of those movies, then it's kind of a nice Easter egg. Drew Barrymore in Scream. She appears in the beginning. And spoiler alert, she gets killed in the beginning. Home Alone and Vacation, National Lampoon's Vacation, John Candy appears in both. In Home Alone, it's when Macaulay Culkin's mother is trying to get back to uh, get Kevin, and she's on a uh, like a freight uh, truck, and in the back is a polka band led by John Candy. Along the same lines, John Candy appears as a um, security guard at Wally World. And lastly, we're going to go back to dirty work. And during the hallucination scene where Adam Sandler's the devil, there is Gary Coleman who gets knocked out by none other than famous boxer Ken Norton Sr. All right, now we're going to do musicians. So in Wayne's World, you have Alice Cooper where we're not worthy, and he talks about Milwaukee. Great, great cameo scene. In addition, in Wayne's World 2, you also get Aerosmith, but it's not quite as good as Alice Cooper. And Back to the Future, if you miss it and you don't really look, there's Huey Lewis in the stands, or actually he's one of the judges when Marty's band is actually playing in the you know Battle of the Bands competition. And if you didn't know, Marty is playing kind of a heavy metal version of uh, Power of Love, and uh, one of the judges, the guy who says, you guys are just too darn loud, that's Huey Lewis. Great cameo scene. In The Wedding Singer, you get Billy Idol at the end. Really well done. In Men in Black 2, there's Michael Jackson. In High Fidelity, there's Bruce Springsteen. In Silence of the Lambs, this is less of a, um, hey, there's so-and-so, but he's actually acting in the film. But in Silence of the Lambs, one of the cops is Chris Isaac. And then, of course, in The Blues Brothers, it's chock full of music cameos with James Brown, Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, Cap Calloway, and the wonderful and legendary John Lee Hooker. All right, let's then get into athletes, and then we'll be done with my list, and we'll get into everyone else's list. Of course, in Airplane, there's no finer than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar telling about how he has to, you know, tell uh, the little boy's old man to drab Walton and Lanier up and down the court for, uh, you know, 48 minutes. Tremendous scene. Climbing to cruise at 42,000. We'll report again over Lincoln. Over and out. Wait a minute. I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. You are Kareem. I've seen you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Right, Clarence? Oh, he's not bothering anyone. Let him stay here. All right, but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says that lots of times you don't even run down court. And that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen, kid. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton in the near up and down the court for 48 minutes. 
in some there's something about Mary Brett Farvera, of course, <laughs> shows up and he plays Mary's ex-boyfriend. Very good scene at the end. Hilarious scene in The Hangover. You get Mike Tyson after they steal his tiger. He then decides to punch out one of the guys. In the original Rocky from 1976, in the fight scene before the fight starts, there's a famous boxer that shows up, and it's Joe Frazier, smoking Joe Frazier. Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris appeared in a few different movies. Uh, one, I think, is... God, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it's like... Ah, I can't remember, but they were they were definitely movies. I think they weren't even damn Yankees together, too. Reggie Jackson, who was on the California Angels at the time, he was in Naked Gun. He tried to kill the queen. And then in the original Longest Yard from 1974, you have Ray Nitschke, who was a Hall of Famer for the Green Bay Packers, and Joe Cap, who I believe played quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. That is a tremendous movie. Well, cameos, as we have proven, are lots of fun, and we have many guests that want to mention their favorite cameos. So enjoy what we have coming up. All right, we're back with my other brother, Brian. How you doing? All right, pretty good. All right, so for this week, we're going to have fun, and we're going to talk. Well, we have fun every week, but yeah. for this week, it's <laughs> My pale is not coming through. Um, but this week we're going to talk about our favorite cameos in movies. And these are ones that, you know, unlike the Marvel movies where, you know, there's crossover appeal. This is more like, you know, there's no rhyme or reason why this person's in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, but it's still, they stand out for whatever reason. Um, so I, we should get an interesting list, I think. From yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. I have a few... I hope hopefully good ones. Oh, I'm sure there are. So let's let's get right into it. What is your All right. list? Um, so first, I have Tom Cruise and Top Tropic Thunder, mm-hmm. where he's heavily made up, and you're not really supposed to know that it's Tom Cruise yeah. at all. And he's playing this real jerk. He's in a fat suit. <laughs> he's yeah, bald. He's he's, yeah, yeah, it's just it's actually a really funny well, role. It's pretty for him. funny. Yeah, the movie I think fell short of my expectations. I mm-hmm. wanted it to be a lot funnier. Yeah, a lot of it was just weird and. And Robert Downey Jr. in blackface. Exactly. Kind of, a lot of it was just wrong. And yeah, it's very on PC. Yeah. Uh, but there's um, some there's some great lines in it. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they had that. I think just for the the Tom Cruise cameo. But yeah, it's hard to recommend that movie otherwise. Yeah, it's it's weird because some good points. Tom Cruise really doesn't do comedy. He almost takes himself. Yeah, I, don't know, I mean, too it, it was yeah. almost like he was a really exaggerated version of some of his himself or some of his characters right of course and he didn't look anything like himself too exactly like he's almost like a uh, that's a good point you know like him and rain man like but just (laughs) 20 times more of an asshole than he was in rain man (laughs) cool so that's a great one yeah and then i have uh bob barker in happy gilmore absolutely so (laughs) yeah out of nowhere that's my favorite adam sandler movie i don't love a lot of his movies but that one is, is my favorite of his um and bob barker showing up and yeah Getting into a fist fight with, <laughs> with Happy. With yeah. Happy. That's yeah. pretty funny in his line. You know. uh, the price is wrong, <laughs> bitch. Is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, out of nowhere, I'm like, oh, I don't know if people will find that still funny today, but back in the day, I mean, he, Bob Barker was an institution. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, he was on Price is Right forever. Yeah. And everyone knew it. Yeah, so it was. Absolutely. So the, it was weird to see him there, and it was even weirder to. One, see him kind of curse and then get into a fight with Yeah, him. I mean, if, you, if you're not familiar with Bob Barker mm-hmm. on Price is Right, then think about Alex Trebek on Jeopardy. So exactly. Like Pat Sajak or one of those guys showing up in a movie and getting into a fist fight with the main character. Right. Which is kind of like that. Which is why I love the SNL bit with uh, Will Ferrell playing um, the SNL, or playing oh, the Jeopardy Trebek host and, as yeah, Alex Trebek, yeah, and he's always the... getting in a fight with Sean Connery. <laughs> right. so, which, actually, I'm going to put that in... in, in 
the beginning of our trivia show. Go. So there you go. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's out? What else is on your list? Uh, so next I have. Bill Murray in Zombieland. You know, I saw this on a lot of lists, but I hadn't. I don't think I've seen the movie, so I didn't want to put it on my list. So but. yeah, I'm not really a big fan of zombie movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, there. I know a lot of people love the you know the Day of the Dead. And all yeah. That. For me, I like zombie movies that are kind of comedy. Mm-hmm. So um, Zombieland and definitely Shaun of the Dead is my favorite. Okay. Of those. But Zombieland is great. Um, has Jesse Eisenberg mm-hmm. and Woody Harrelson, uh, Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. They're kind of just running away from zombies and trying to survive, and then they end up. At a house, and turns out Bill Murray lives there. <laughs> As a zombie. And he's playing yeah. himself. No, but he pretends to be a zombie. Okay. Well, I don't want to give it away, but yeah. Oh, right, right. That's so awesome. it's uh, it's a pretty good little cameo of him playing himself. Mm-hmm. And now, did you know? Makes reference. I didn't know he was. That was the thing. It's like it was a total surprise that mm-hmm. he's in the movie. He just right. shows up in this one scene. Yeah. I don't think they. I think they just end up in L.A. or Hollywood or somewhere at this mansion. They're they're hiding out. Okay. And then they run into the owner, who turns out to be. Bill Murray. Right. Like they didn't. They expected the house was abandoned because basically every everyone's everywhere is abandoned. That's how the internet's <laughs> kind of ruined movies too. Because you know that going back to Happy Gilmore, I had we had no idea Bob Barker was going to be yeah, in Happy Gilmore. So. Now it might have shown up in some trailers after the movie. Maybe. Came out, but yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So like nowadays, you're you're going to hear if you want to hear. Yeah. Um, you know all the little things that that happen. But that's a that's definitely a good one. I think my favorite zombie movie is the original Night of the Living Dead. I think that still holds up, and it's got a kind of a twist ending. So. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, which, which the one original George Romero one from '68. So I saw the one that. What is the one? Where There's Day of the Dead. Maybe it's that. I don't know. Yeah. It's the one where they're in a shopping mall. Is that? Oh, I don't know. I, you know, I haven't I seen that. I think that's a. I think that's a Romero one. Okay, it's There's one Day of the, the dead, something Dawn of the, the dead. dead. Yeah, not a Day of the Dead. Donna, I don't know. Yeah, I get them all confused. <laughs> all they're not my movies. favorite. Yeah. I mean, they're they're okay. It's just I don't know. I, for some reason, zombies creep me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, or they kind of depress me. I feel like. <laughs> so you don't watch Walking Dead or any of that? No, no, no. Danielle's going to be very disappointed. Sorry, Danielle. That's okay. yeah. <laughs> she can talk about zombie movies. That's right. She's very much she's in Zombieland, although it might not be. I, don't, she, I think she likes her zombies serious. So yeah, well, <laughs> there's some serious zombies, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah it's a comedy. <laughs> um, okay, so next I have uh, Stan Lee. Well, we were talking about Marvel movies, but yes. I have Stan Lee, who shows up in basically every single Marvel movie, yep. but not necessarily as Stan Lee. It's mostly as some random character who's just yeah. there and makes some kind of smart-ass remark mm-hmm. or just some random remark. My favorite, though, of those is uh, the recent one. He was uh, in Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to spoil it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Thor, Thor gets his hair cut, and the guy who yes. cuts his hair is Stan Lee, and he's wearing this like weird like Edward Scissorhands kind yeah. of like, <laughs> mechanical arm thing mm-hmm. that he's, he's kind of just creepy. And so, so I like yeah. it. I like the fact that Stan Lee shows up to put his own character in peril. Yeah, yeah. And he always does, yeah, I it's know. always a different thing. Like, you, you'll be a police officer in one of them, or he'll do... Yeah, yeah or bus driver, I think. Yeah. And Infinity War, I don't, I don't remember. <clears throat> so, yeah. Yeah, they have fun with he's, it, which uh, is good. He's in all kinds of... He has a lot of good ones. Yeah. And some are just okay, and it's like, oh, yeah, there's Stanley. All right, mm-hmm. check that box up. But and we were talking it's cool before, that he gets yeah. to be in all these movies, because he was... You know, he created all of these things. things so it's, yeah, it's nice. and we and we were talking about this earlier. He he's got a great cameo in Mallrats. Yeah, I was going to so mention yeah. that too. Yeah. That's really funny, and that's that's where he's playing himself. Exactly, and you don't expect him in that one either. It's yeah, funny, so it was cool. And the Jason Lee character is such a huge comic book fan. That's like his <laughs> idol. So yeah, and Kevin Smith. He's asking too. a question yeah. about uh, the things anatomy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, 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 Stanley's like it's a superhero secret. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but Jason, I mean, that's typical of Jason Lee's yeah. character. So, yeah, yeah. This character's a huge dork. He yeah. is, yeah. All right, and then my last one is similar to the Stan Lee one. Um, this is Hitchcock, and of course, he's famous for his cameos. Yeah, absolutely. I think in almost all of his own movies. Yeah, except maybe the early, early ones, but yeah, once it yeah, got to... Yeah, once it got to the American yeah. movies, for sure he was in all of them. Absolutely. Um, and my favorite of those is Notorious, because again, mm-hmm. he's putting his own uh, characters in the peril, because they're... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Cary Grant and uh, Ingrid Bergman, and they're trying to get sneak away down to the cellar where they have they have a key and they want to go down. Yeah, and, like, they want to find something in the cellar, mm-hmm. and they know that they need to they need time to do that. And yeah. So they they uh, they need uh, I think Claude Rains to go down and like open it up or something like that. Yeah. To, anyway, so it basically um, Hitchcock shows up and is drinking in a champagne, which may, means that. You know, once they run out of champagne, Claude Rains is going to have to go back down to get more from the cellar. That's right. So they're uh, they're he's kind of like creating the the suspense mm-hmm. or amplifying the suspense a little more. So. And that's also the really fun part. Pre-internet, you really had to be a fan to watch it. I mean, until now, you can go on websites and you can find out exactly where it was. But back in the day, yeah, you really had to be them, looking for. A lot of them are really slow. I think there's one. It's like, maybe it's the birds or something, where he's mm-hmm. just, like, getting off a bus. Oh, or totally. On a bus or something. He made a point, and he always said, like, <clears throat> he does it usually early in the movie because he mm-hmm. doesn't want to distract from the plot. Yeah. Um, but you made a good point with Notorious. He actually gets into the plot. Yeah, right? yeah. Which he so did, was, usually didn't want to yeah, do. But that, yeah, that was one case where he kind of... It made it more suspenseful. It was kind of funny. Exactly. You know, he was a genius at that. Yeah. Absolutely. So, great list. Cool. Good job. And Thanks. Yeah. Well, thanks again. All right. My pleasure. <laughs> All right, we're back with Malin. Welcome back. Hey, Brian. So we get you for your very own cameo, though you're on every episode, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do cameos this week, and this has been a, a fun one. So far, I've only interviewed uh, Brian P., and I've done my cameos. So I'm curious. You always have a good list, and it sounds like you have roughly 10 to 15 good, strong cameos, your favorites. And so let's get yeah. right into it. Cool. Um, yeah, so I think it goes without saying that my favorites are going to be Alfred Hitchcock because I think he kind of has the cameo um, science down in his films. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just quick, short, sweet, in and out. You know, you, you get it, you get him in there and then you get out. You're back into the story. It's not too distracting. Right. Um, so my first one is my favorite Alfred Hitchcock cameo. Okay. It's um, Strangers on a Train, mm. uh, which is one of my favorite Hitchcock films as well. Yeah. It's, it's dark and twisted and a bit uh, strange on the sexual side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, definitely it is. Definitely it is. Yeah. Um, but the thing I think I love about that cameo in particular is that um, if you remember, that's the one where he's getting on a train and he has a musical instrument with him. Mm. Um so if you spot him, it's kind of cool because he's getting onto one of the namesake pieces, for you know, from the film, right. getting on a train in a movie called Strangers on a Train, which is you know that's just great and I'm you know delivered I'm sure, um, but also because he was uh, so well identified with his like uh, personal silhouette. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like how the 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 shape of the cello that he's boarding the train um, with kind of rhymes with that idea of his silhouette and, you know, his uh, posture as he's getting onto the train and kind of bumping into one of the main characters as they're trying to get off of the train. It's kind of a perfect moment for him. Exactly. And that's what I remember him kind of like almost stumbling around with it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
That's a film. Not, not too graceful. <laughs> no, not at all. But it was perfect. And and like I mentioned this earlier on on this podcast, not to you, but um, he was smart enough to know that he never wanted to distract from the plot. So that's why most of his cameos were in the beginning. You know, just to kind of get it out of the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, and I, so I want the list that I put together. I want to kind of come full circle to that point. Sure. Um, because I have a bunch of cameos that I really like that are important. Like. Uh, kind of uh, pieces of the films, but I think that one of my absolute favorites is a cameo that would slip by if you didn't know that it was coming. It just kind of like Hitchcock's philosophy is just get it in and out and don't be disruptive. But it's, um, for me, I thought it was a powerful one. So I'll come back to that. Okay. So I've got three that I can group together because, uh, so three of my favorite actors are what I consider the triumvirate of horror, the triumvirate of, of British horror in particular. Um, so Vincent Price, Christopher Lee, and Peter Cushing. Yeah. Um, and they just happen to fortunately have had each of them really fantastically awesome cameos in films later in their careers. Um, so those are my next three. Okay. Uh, first one, Vincent Price as the uh well, actually, can you guess which cameo for Vincent Price I'm thinking of? Uh, you know, no way. Because <laughs> he's been, I think he's had so many towards the later, I, I can't even imagine. So I'm thinking of Edward Scissorhands, where he plays the aging scientist. Oh, uh, that is a great one. Yes. Uh, and the creator of Edward Scissorhands. And it was, I think it was his last film role. Um, and he has this really touching couple of scenes. And uh, yeah, I think those are, those are really beautiful and, and memorable. Um, yeah, so that's that's my favorite for Vincent Price. Yeah, that's a I great think, pick. Far. Really good pick. Um, so second in my triumvirate of British horror is Christopher Lee. Okay. Um, do you want to take a guess as to which film I'm thinking about uh, for him, though? Uh, you know, it's funny. I just saw him, but he was he was a main character in uh, The Man with the Golden Gun, the James Bond movie. <laughs> he was so good in that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I have no idea. No no idea. He's, yeah, he's been in hundreds of things. He has one of the most prolific filmographies yeah. of, I think, almost any performer, and not just a um, film, but also music. And I think he was an athlete as well a fencer i could be wrong about that but i think that's true but super interesting um, guy yeah yeah so the one i'm thinking of uh uh tim burton as well so sleepy hollow he has this really kind of uh juicy cameo as a uh a judge at the very beginning of the film mm. and there is this shot that is uh framed really beautifully um, where there, I forget what they're of, but there are some, my memory is of two very large, dark black wings, um, behind him. So this judge and, uh, execution kind of happy judge, uh, has these dark wings behind him and he just kind of looks like this judge version of an angel of death. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, and of course he's, I believe he's i could be totally wrong about this maybe it's just my memory but i think he's um convicting a criminal and offering up a death sentence potentially ah. uh, but anyway with that booming deep voice and, yeah yeah so so I, I love that scene although clearly i have to revisit it because i have very kind of tattered um memory of it unfortunately i don't like the movie mm. um nearly well enough to see it that often but i could easily go on youtube and just watch just for the him section 
And he kept at, he was pretty prolific all the way to the end. Like he was still doing things in his nineties. Oh yeah. To the very end. Yeah. And it's, um, a little bit of interesting trivia. So I, he became famous and famously associated with British horror, uh, through the hammer studios. Right. One of his last film appearances was, um, called the, gosh, I think it was called the apartment. Mm-hmm or something, or The Tenant, or something like that, some name that was associated with another film. That's why it's confusing to me. Um, but anyway, it, the Hammer Studios, or somebody had put together a film studio and taken the Hammer Studios name um, and reopened it. And that was the first of the first film of the rejuvenated Hammer Studio films. Um, I think more notably... Uh, the American version of Let the Right One In was also um, create, uh, produced by the, the Hammer Studios after they reopened. That is that is great trivia. Yeah, he was yeah. also he was so, also in The so, Hobbit and stuff like that. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay, so for Peter Cushing, uh-huh. uh, I've got Top Secret. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, so Peter Cushing, I don't know. He was always kind of a great comedic actor, but usually he his the comedic opportunities that he had were really, really, really dark, which I, of course, adore. Yeah. Um, and then he, so he got thrown into Top Secret, not thrown in, but he's in Top Secret and kind of a really cool key role where um, kind of literally has a, a sight gag in a scene where he plays, uh, I think he's playing a, he's playing a bookseller uh, in a scene that is filmed backwards in its entirety. So mm-hmm. there are a couple of like these backwards filming sidekicks going on. Um, but he also has this ridiculously outrageous prosthetic <laughs> over one eye. And as, uh, and it's a pretty, I think, uh, memorable scene from the film in general, um, as the two protagonists walk in and they, they go to talk to him and he's got a magnifying glass up to his face as he's reading something. And when he, takes the magnifying glass away from his face. It's clear that the, the prosthetic makes it look like a little, you know, his, his face is just shaped that way rather right. than having a huge eye. It was, yeah, anyway, it's it's funnier than what I'm describing for sure. <laughs> no, but fans of Airplane will, will appreciate that movie because I believe that was the second one that the Zucker brothers did after Airplane. Um, yeah. Because they had nothing to do with the sequel. They wanted nothing to do with the, the sequel, and so it, was, it wasn't them directing and, Definitely Airplane 2 is inferior, and so the next movie was Top Secret, and then eventually they did um, Naked Gun and, and movies like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Naked, Naked, oh my gosh, I didn't even think to look at Naked Gun. Oh, there's some good, it, one of my cameos, It's a, I have uh, athlete cameos and musician cameos where Reggie Jackson makes a um, cameo as trying to kill the queen in Naked Gun, so... <laughs> So did you did you pick Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from Airplane? Yeah, I think he kind of has to be in there, but um, yeah. I, that one's a tricky one because it's a cameo, but it's not. You know, he's almost kind of he's not a main character, but he's a character in it. You know? Um, yeah, and I I almost selected somebody. Um, I was thinking about Airplane Two, mm-hmm. uh, but um, so many of like you, I was like, is that a an actor role is that a character actor role is that a cameo but i did uh i did actually think of uh i i didn't know if i was going to mention it but since we're talking about sure. airplane i did want to throw out um barbara billingsley oh who absolutely 
Yeah, who's famous for playing June Cleaver on Leave It to Bre- Leave It to Beaver, and in that film, kind of steal absolutely steals a scene as uh, a woman who translates jive speak. Yes, um, <laughs> it's such a messed up scene, and it's so hilarious. And I remember seeing that as a kid, and I'd only ever known her as uh, June Cleaver before that. So uh, that that one was when it came out that was oh it was it was hilarious. brilliant because you have the most white bread um mom of all time you know <laughs> talking jive with, yeah. with these two passengers <laughs> and then you know that's why i think some people that watch the movie today just don't get it because they don't realize who she was so they just think it's some old white lady and so maybe they it maybe doesn't translate as well as it did back then because back then yeah. you know leave it to be we're still on reruns so Right, right, and it, yeah, and that's yeah, and that's exactly how I knew who exactly who Barbara Billingsley right. was when I filmed. And you're, you're right. You know, maybe now she just looks like any old white lady. Right. But back then <laughs> she was like she was the Mom. white lady. Yeah. She was like the white mother of all white mothers. That's right. <laughs> she was the epitome of a TV mom. That was that yeah. was you know, Ozzie and Harriet and Leave It to Beaver. So yeah, yep. yeah. So so that's a good one. That's I mean, a great I one. That, that, that that one came up. Okay, so, da, 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 da. oh, next one, um, Young Frankenstein. Oh, yes. I think I know this one. Gene Hackman. Yeah, absolutely. Playing the blind guy. So, oh, so brilliant. I did not know that that was Gene Hackman for years. Yeah. I, I don't think I found out it was Gene Hackman until Mel Brooks mentioned it uh, in an interview um, that I went to like a few years ago. Um, I was surprised. I was shocked. I didn't, I, I just, it just didn't even occur to me. But then of course, as you know, as soon as he said that, I thought, Oh, the voice. Yes, exactly. I wouldn't know it from the physical appearance, but the voice that's, yeah, that's a giveaway. Yeah, He's so he, good in that. Oh, so he good. is. It's a memorable scene. It's a very memorable scene. And, and you can, and, uh, you visually, you can't tell it's him at all. Cause he's just all done up and, and everything. So no, I totally didn't think it was him. I totally didn't think it was anyone, you know, like immediately identifiable. And I completely bought the, the blind shtick. Yeah. I completely bought it. I just completely buy everything about that scene. It's so good. Absolutely. Um, That's a great point. And and loving universal horror films. I think it's such a kind of a, a perfect scene just in general as a send up to, uh, the Frankenstein sequels kind of blending all those together. Yeah, exactly. Cause in the, you know, in, in Bride of Frankenstein, which I believe that's the one it was in, um, with the blind yeah. man. I mean, that's, it's actually a touching scene in the Bride of Frankenstein. And then you kind of, you know, turn it on its head in young Frankenstein <laughs> and make it hilarious. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's another one I've got to watch again. Thank oh, yeah. goodness YouTube has like got all of these things in like little bits. So I'm sure I can find like oh, just yeah. Gene Frankenstein. Definitely. So Young Frankenstein is such a brilliant movie. I should just watch that as a whole. Time. Yep, absolutely. Uh, okay, so Princess Bride. Okay. Carol Kane and Billy Crystal. Yeah. That's one of those ones where it's like I think that counts as a cameo. I, it does. They do because uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, fantastic. I love Carol Kane and everything. Me too. You know, one of my biggest disappointments, I think, with Scrooge was that Carol Kane had only a few moments in it. But everything she's in, I just wish she would be in longer and be in more. Um, and Billy Crystal is absolutely fantastic in that. But I think, for me, Carol Kane um, kind of steals it. I'm always kind of waiting for her next line. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, as, as much... 
<clears throat> as deep as the press, as heavy as the prosthetics are on them, they have this kind of abs- absolutely absurd old married uh, couple chemistry that just really kind of works. Yeah. And you definitely know them by their voice, too. You know, Billy Crystal had been doing that kind of uh, voice in his act for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and Carol Kane is so distinctive. Oh, totally. And speaking of Scrooge, I mean, you can mention her, definitely her and Scrooge and uh, Buster Poindexter is the cab driver. Buster, that's right. And do yeah. you know, actually, I found out because Gilbert Gottfried has his own podcast. I guess he tried out for that role, too. And uh, he didn't <laughs> he didn't get it because he could have been great as the cab driver as oh, well. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he could have. You know, it's funny you mentioned Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. I was taking a long road trip to Los Angeles and back uh, like six months ago, I guess at this point. Mm -hmm. And I listened to his podcast for the first time. I was impressed at how much fun that was to listen to. And how much I learned about um, cinema from that. That was a, that's a clever podcast. That's like, you know, sell up your competitors. No, no, no. Well, no, he's got way more listeners than me, but uh, no, because him and uh, his, his co-host Frank Santo Padre, he wrote for Mad Magazine. Um, he they really know their history, and so they get all these great old time actors and directors. And uh, one of the more recent episodes, they had Richard Donner, who of course directed like Goonies and uh, all the Lethal Weapon movies and 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 all that. And he talked about extensively shooting uh, Superman, the original Superman, how it was to work with Brando and Gene Hackman. There's a great Gene Hackman story, uh, so definitely check out the Richard Donner episode. Okay, I got to get back into that. Like I said, I I I got really into it on that long round trip road trip yeah um, but then i somehow i guess maybe it fell to the bottom of my list or something i just you know i've been listening to too much impeachment porn so <laughs> there you go that. <laughs> that's why we we just have fun with movies on this podcast so we don't yeah, get into yeah, that thank goodness thank that's goodness. right <laughs> okay um next so i've got three i've got a three for the price of one okay uh three performers one movie okay um the Muppet movie. Oh, definitely. Uh, the original Muppet movie. Yes, from um, 79. Yeah, so oh, i just go through these kind of quickly. Uh, Steve Martin and yep. the sarcastic leader. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, he plays sarcastic so well in that. I don't know if he ever played sarcastic quite as well anywhere else in his career, <laughs> but oh, my gosh, that's such a good spot for him. It was. Uh, and then taking the bottle cap off of the, the champagne from Idaho. <laughs> I want, was that? I wonder if the Muppet movie was released before or after the Jerk because the Jerk came out the same year. Oh gosh, I have no idea. I wonder. Yeah, because I mean, at that point, he was best known for his stand-up. So. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'll, I'll go back and look. That, that's a that's that's a good one. That is a good question because it's. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so while you're looking up dates for those, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next one, Mel Brooks in the same movie yep. as Professor KMD is this weird Nazi doctor who's going to melt the brains of, well, not melt the brains of Kermit the Frog, but you know, uh, I, I, I did look up the procedure before this podcast because <laughs> I wanted to have some, like have done some research. Um, so Mel Brooks is going to give, uh, Kermit the Frog, an electronic celebectomy. I think I'm saying that right. <laughs> anyway, right. Something, something like that. Something absolutely ridiculous. Yes. Where he'll follow the commands of whoever and do this commercial that they're trying to get him to do for these French or this like uh, what I forget what they are like um, 
uh, Kentucky Fried Frog Legs or something right, right, and hilarious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but Mel Brooks, <laughs> um, he's absolutely hilarious as a mad doctor. And I remember seeing it as a kid and being really, really scared um, mm-hmm. during that scene because there's, they roll out this absolutely ridiculous contraption that they're going to put Kermit in and um, with this uh, electronic cap all of Frankenstein that's going to go on his head and um, take over his brain. And uh, uh, Mel Brooks keeps referring referring to it as like a, an electronic yarmulke or something. Yeah. It's, just, it's just hilarious. Yes. I kind of wonder how much of that he improvised because it's pretty quick fire. Um, it's hard to imagine that all of that was on the written page. I'm um, sure, like, especially with the comedians, they let, they give them free reign, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, so, I, so I suspect that was probably one of the... You know, the other great thing about that scene um, is that it, at that part of the movie, Mel Brooks kind of... Uh, uh, he's this really kind of scary and hilarious presence. Um, and uh, he, he is... I don't know how to describe... Uh, he's, so the scene turns because Miss Piggy goes to save Kermit the Frog, and it all turns into this hilarious miss piggy violence yeah (laughs) isn't that that like one of the main reasons that we all love the muppets is we're just waiting for miss piggy to like kick somebody's ass that's right she loses it yeah yeah she totally loses it and mel brooks you know i think i'm not sure about this but i think that mel brooks might count as like miss piggy's first blood (laughs) yeah it's like it's not clear but i think she might have killed him in that movie (laughs) (laughs) that's true (laughs) So going so back that's to Steve, awesome. yeah, going back to Steve Martin. So I, I looking on his IMDb page, the Muppet movie came out before The Jerk, but he was actually I think his one of his film debuts was a year before. He was in um, the Bee Gees adaptation of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. <laughs> he was Dr. Maxwell Edison, and then okay. he actually was in a short film called The Absent-Minded Waiter. So I wonder if he revised that for uh, the Muppet movie. Oh right, I wonder if like. Yeah, if you already had some shtick down, which yeah. of course, I mean, like a sarcastic act is. Oh, that's it. Yeah, it's like a down, uh, a really um, diluted version of his uh, stand-up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The stand-up. Like, what's the guy on S? Not SNL, but it's anyway. I'll remember it later. Okay. <laughs> excuse me. You know, oh yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like a, a really diluted version. Of that. Okay. So my last one. Uh-huh. Third. A uh, cameo from the Muppet movie, uh, which I think is this is a fantastic one too. Is Richard Pryor yeah. selling balloons to Gonzo? That's right. <laughs> to hilarious effect. Not only does he sell balloons to Gonzo, and then Gonzo famously, you know, flies away in them, which I think was a dream of mine. I think when I saw that, I was like. I wonder if you can really do that. Um, <laughs> which, uh, and the other great thing about it is he's 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 selling Gonzo these balloons so that he can like hook up with the chicken. That's right. It's, it's, it's just all sorts of messed up. But when you're a kid, it doesn't all you know. It doesn't even translate. No, I know, I know it doesn't, but later it does. Oh, of course it does. <laughs> we figure it out later. <laughs> I'm glad you picked them up a movie because I, there, I actually, it was on my list too. So the three you mentioned, Bob Hope's in it, Dom DeLuise, Madeline Kahn. Uh, there's so many other ones that are, and actually Carol Kane too. So yeah, Carol Kane is in there too. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of great uh, ones. Okay, so I've got two more. Okay. Um, so one here, here's an example of what I think 
we can count as a cameo that uh, you know a lot of a lot of cameos just kind of come in and they're just thrown in to get that kind of shock of celebrity acknowledgement and then it moves on. Maybe there's a little bit of a joke to it or not. Um, but I think arguably this next one is maybe a cameo that defined a, a certain segment of this film um, in a way that you wouldn't probably expect it to. I don't know if they expected it to when they were making the movie, mm-hmm. um, but it also defined uh the career of this actor for I think a little while and maybe still does. Um, and it's in Pulp Fiction. Uh, and it's uh, Christopher Walken's um, watch talk Absolutely. to a small, um, to a younger version of Bruce Willis's character. Yes. I mean, he steals the show. That's a lot of people remember that one scene from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there, there are a lot of memorable scenes in that film. Um, and this, that one I think is, uh, is absolutely one of the most memorable scenes, if only because it's this point of view shot of him just talking. Yeah. It takes quite a lot for that to work. Like there are lots of actors who can be in front of the camera and they can, you know, be doing action scenes or whatever. And you just don't buy it. No. And here you have this actor under what I imagine is quite a bit of pressure just with a camera at them doing a monologue where they shouldn't be doing a monologue. I mean, Cinema, like what business does a monologue have in cinema usually? True. Yeah, and he rips through that. It's it is amazing. It is an amazing fucking scene. Oh yeah, the the tone of his voice, his mannerisms, the way he kind of like just does stuff with his eyes. I mean, it's it's absolutely perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's perfect. And uh, all you have to do is say the watch and Pulp Fiction, and people know immediately know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's has that, that is some amazing acting. It I is. Like, you know, aside, I don't know, you know, a whole lot about his career outside of that, but that is impressive. I think that scene is just really impressive. Oh, absolutely. Totally agree. Okay. So my last one, so this is where I wanted to come back around. So that, that example was one where I was thinking, okay, well, that's, that is a conspicuous cameo that kind of defines part of the film and it defines like that, that actor in a lot of ways now yeah. when we think back on it. Um, but Hitchcock, like you mentioned, was really clever about um, cameos that were kind of in passing and might make like a, a little sleight of hand joke or something mm-hmm. or some little bit of a clever reference. Um, but they didn't distract too much from the story or, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so this last one, it's a little bit obscure, but um, I think some people out there might might know uh, a little bit about these movies. So Pedro Almodovar is my favorite Spanish director. I've got a few. He's way, way, way my favorite. Mm-hmm. Love his stuff. Um, and his movies are interesting because they're this weird uh, path, uh, you know, a mosaic of um, melodrama, um, camp, uh, sometimes thrillers, uh, comedy, um, and they're really outrageous. Um, but despite all of that, they have a lot of heart. I think that's why he's become so well-known internationally is that he has these kind of outrageous uh, plot designs and characters. But at the, heart, at the, at the center of it all, they're, they're, there's usually like a huge heart beating. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got two movies that um, I really like. It's all about my mother, which I've mentioned a bunch of times before. Yeah. 
and the movie that came right after that, which is Talk to Her. Okay. Um, funny thing about his films is sometimes he sets up the plot for subsequent movies and just small bits of dialogue in maybe a small scene that doesn't seem like anything at the time, but then he makes a movie completely around it. Mm. Uh, like a phone conversation in one film might be come the basis for the entire plot of the next film. Interesting. So they're often, they're kind of linked in these weird kind of ways. It's not that they necessarily kind of, uh, exist within the same universe, like maybe like Marvel films or whatever, but there are these kind of resonances between like the language and the plots and sometimes the characters, because he has like this ensemble cast that uh, frequently recurs. Um, So anyway, in All About My Mother, there are two key characters. There is a mother who goes in search of the estranged father of her recently deceased son and a woman who she meets and kind of saves her when she gets into Barcelona. And that's, um, uh, Cecilia Roth plays the mother and Marisa Perez is one of my favorite Spanish actresses plays the woman who she meets. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, they have this really strange and beautiful friendship in that movie. Um, that is really easy for me to kind of fall in love with. It's one of those things where you kind of just fall in love with the characters and you fall in love with the relationship that they have in addition to the story and everything else that's going on. So what made this beautiful is in they go through all of this stuff and at the end of the movie it's kind of unclear what their relationship is going to be like. You have this sense that they've been through a lot and all of the characters have and that they're at a point at the very end of the film where they're finding their friendship again. Um, in the next film, it is totally about different characters. And there's this one scene um, in, it's a party scene where a bunch of people are listening to a guitarist, a famous Spanish guitarist um, out at some house in the countryside. It has absolutely nothing to do with the film All About My Mother. The characters have absolutely nothing to do with this subsequent film, Talk to Her. Mm-hmm. And the camera just pans across the people in the garden at night who are listening to this guitarist. There are maybe like 15 to 20 people. And it's panning from someone you don't know to, to the main characters of that film. And it pans over Cecilia Roth and Marisa Paredes. And they're sitting next to each other. There's not a word spoken. And it just, oh my gosh, just, it was like, uh, when I saw that, it, it was like that love <laughs> that, you know, film can inspire in right. characters and stories. And it just, it, it just made my heart like skip a huge fucking beat to <laughs> see them. And as quickly as they were there, they were gone. Right. But the, the impact was kind of huge. So, well, it's obvious um, he did that for people like you who are really super fans and that would appreciate yeah. something like that. And that's, that's the fun part of certain directors that, that you love. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, it, it was totally unexpected. It was over before you realized it had happened. Yeah. If you had blinked, or excuse me, or coughed or anything, you would have missed it. Um, I guess, I guess, yeah, maybe, yeah, he's playing to like the the, the total fanatics. Like oh me, yeah, but, but but I I just I I can't help but imagine you know, if it, if if it had had that effect on me, it must have had that effect on um, others as well uh, who were similarly kind of similarly kind of crazy. Sure. Um, 
Well, I mean, and, and, yeah, yeah. Whether it be that or you know, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, and, and yeah, and so so even though that's a really really small one, that's that's the one that has had the most kind of emotional punch for me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, movies have an have an amazing way of of connecting with people, and whether it be Star Wars or anything like that, any minute little detail people are going to pick up on, and and they run with it, and that's that's again, as you mentioned, that's why people love and connect with with movies so much. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe cameos is like a. a it's interesting that we're talking about this because Cantles is, you know, relies on that. So like, uh, you see like Tom Cruise show up in a movie that you wouldn't expect him to be in. Right. Right. But, but, you know, it, it brings all of this meaning to it. Um, hopefully it brings some type of meaning to it. It's not just some useless kind of. Absolutely. And that's why, that's why like, you know, it's a mad, mad, mad world was so much fun because it was like nonstop celebrities, you know, all thrown into this, you know, three and a half hour movie. That's absolutely that was like celebrity bingo. I was, you know, that was the most obvious one. I was going to think of that. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of that one. But then, you know, it's funny. I um, with it's a mad, 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 mad world. I've seen it a bunch of times. And I have spotted a lot of the cameos. But the thing about it is that I'm really watching it because I want to see Don Knotts. And I think Laurel and Hardy are supposed to be in it. Or the Three Stooges? I think it's no, I know three... the Three Stooges okay. are in it. I remember them in it. But mm-hmm. um, it's either Don Knotts or Laurel and Hardy that I used to watch that movie to try and catch. And I never could. And there's like – there are shorter versions. Yeah, exactly. The Roadshow version. And I think maybe they got cut out of it. And so I've never actually figured out where the heck they are. That's but... possible. So maybe in the, the, the ultimate version, <laughs> they'd have everybody in there. Yeah, I used to have the Laserdisc uh, oh, wow. cut of the Roadshow uh, edit, mm-hmm. um, but that, that's that's a long time ago. Oh, that's, it's such a fun movie. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. This was really fun. This is going to be the, the centerpiece of this episode. This is great. You did your research. Oh, well, I don't even know if I did my research. It's just when you gave me the topic, I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah, this is going to be fun. So. Yeah, this is a, this was a, this is a great one. I kind of knew which ones I was going to hit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. Thanks, Brian. All right. All right. We are back with my uncle's favorite guest of all time. (laughs) You know from the laugh. It's Danielle. (laughs) Yee. Yee. So you're going to make a cameo today. I know. I didn't even knew what what it was. What a cameo was. Yeah, I thought it was the animal or something like that. Like a camel? <laughs> yeah, there you go. When you said that, I was like, what? We're going to talk about famous movie camels today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this will be a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> See, this is why we love having Daniel on the podcast, because you never know what's going to come out of our no mouth. No idea. You never know. Everyone loves to laugh and, and, and camels. All right, so let's just get right into your list. I don't know if you have it in a particular order. Um, I, well... I do and I do not. <laughs> <laughs> just like this podcast, we didn't. We sometimes I'm have to... so off. <laughs> All right, let's just get uh, right into it. So, what's your first one? So, my first one, like I have five. Mm-hmm. That's two. Well, two actually never surprised me. What? Usually, you do a top six. I know. I know. There is one that is not a cameo. It's not a cameo. Cameo. Mm-hmm. Cameo. Camel. Cam. <laughs> How is the word? Cam. Cam. EO. EO. Yeah. EO. Cam EO. Like E I E I O. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, McDonald had a farm. Yes. <laughs> Check out the Ghostbusters soundtrack if you want to hear how we sing. Anyway. Uh, okay. So the f- don't look at my list. I can see you like trying to look at my list. I can't read your writing anyway. Oh, 
good. It's okay. in Portuguese. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the first one is not a surprise. Okay. If and you, I'm sure you know. Of course, you know. You know everything about movies, but uh, probably in your list. Okay. Uh, it's uh, Stan Lee. Yes. And what uh, movie? Well, the latest one that I saw was uh, Black Panther. Yes. And he was in the casino. Yeah. Like, and I always spot, oh, there he goes. Yeah. Well, he's in every Marvel movie, of starting with Spider-Man. Yeah. So that's a good one. So he's cute. Yes, I like it. Like, I I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. I just like, oh, where he's going to be right. in this movie. He's, so, he's, like, he's like the different version of Hitchcock. Because yes, Hitchcock was in the movie. Yes, yes. Um, and Stan Lee, I don't know, did you ever see the movie Mall Rats? No. Uh, so it's a Kevin Smith movie. He's plays himself in that too, oh, and, really? and he makes a cameo, and oh, one of cute. the characters gets to meet him. So. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, so that's a good one. That's good. A good Stanley one. is a good one. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Number two. <laughs> so the next one is not a surprise as well because he's always is in his uh, adaptations mm -hmm. for movies. Is uh, Stephen King. Oh, okay. Which one? I read well. I like the thinner. I like the shining. Oh. I like Langoliers. Yeah. And there is some. Where is he in the shining? The shining. Yeah. He's in. The, he's the orchestra. Like he's. Oh he comes yes. As the ah oh, the guy from the cemetery. I forgot. Yes, the other, I know what you're talking about. Yes. You know. Yeah. So yes. So I, I well I like Stephen King. Yeah. So and seeing him in the movies, it's always a plus. Did you ever see Creep Show? No. Okay, he, he plays, so Creep Show is a bunch of vignettes that are kind of like, it kind of takes place like a comic book, so they're like little stories uh -huh. inside of a movie, mm -hmm. and one of the stories he's in, oh, like okay. the plants take over his whole property, and then he gets eaten by the plants, because, oh, yeah, of course. So he's, he's very weird, so. <laughs> that's cool, that's yeah, yeah. cool. So that's a good one. Yeah. So what's the one you actually picked for Stephen King? No, I put it the tenor and thinner. Langoliers, yeah. and I like tenor, uh, tenor. Thinner. <laughs> it's coming out like tenor tenor doesn't the name doesn't come right okay but yes but I like Langoliers you like Langoliers I didn't know I found out he was in the movie years later yeah. I had no clue mm -hmm. but anyway so he's the next one mm -hmm. so now my third one and uh -huh. stop look at my list. I don't read Portuguese it doesn't matter like you keep the eye on my oh list. my god <laughs> excuse me give me some privacy. <laughs> Uh, so the next one, and I didn't like it, although I like her, but I didn't like it. Why'd but you it pick was it? surprising because it was surprising. Okay. First of all, okay, I will say it's Madonna and Diana the Day. Like oh, she's the yeah. singer from yes. this song, and right? James Bond. Yes. Yes. So this is when Pierce Brosnan was. James yes. Bond. No. I had no clue, and the funny part is, I was is it her? Mm -hmm. Was it, is it really her? Yeah. Because, it, you know, she so, has so many Looks. stuff going on her face yeah. all the time. And I didn't know if it was her or not. Mm. So I had to search later to see, oh, it was her. <laughs> <laughs> I missed her because I just, I just bought a James Bond set of uh -huh. everyone. I just watched that one. I missed her. So I really? have to go back and watch. Oh, she's the Grima teacher. Oh, yeah. okay, got it. And she's very like she's a good actress. She's not a bad actress. actress. She's not bad. But on that movie, yeah, she's so stiff. She's yeah. so she's is bad. Yeah. I like the song. I like the the movie clip. I, sure. just, I don't know if you saw the the song. Uh, yeah, like it's always, it's at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. 
No, but there's like her version of the song, like oh, her, got it. Move, her uh, music video. Music video, yeah. yes, and it's very cool. But uh, yes, it was a surprise. I like her, I yeah. really do, but not on that movie. Not that so movie. it was like the surprise was, was it her or not? Yeah, you know. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> and it was her. Yes. <laughs> okay, so what's your next one? So my next one, and <laughs> it was again. I didn't know if it was him or not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Michael Jackson, Man in Black. Yes, too. I picked that one too. I love yeah. it, him. Because second, second one, right? Man in Black too. Show, yeah. Yes. So he appears on the video screen. Yes, yeah. and like, oh, you didn't do what you promised me. I can yeah. be Agent M. <laughs> <It's Yeah>. cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Is it towards the end or is it just in the middle of the movie? I don't know. Okay, that. it's been a while since I've seen that one. It's me. That I love the movie. I love Men in oh, Black. Oh, all three of them are good. Yes, I yeah. love it. But yes, again, it was him or not. You know, so many people play him. Yeah, you wouldn't expect to actually see him. Exactly. Yeah. So like, huh, maybe it's not. But it, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he vo his voice. Oh, so, you, know, you know it's it him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. And then what's your last one? My last one is... Da -da -da -da. <laughs> I'm going to crack yourself up. <laughs> It's all in my mind. Yeah. Like, it's pretty up in my mind. You know? She has her own podcast in her own mind. That's the thing. So, my first one is uh, Johnny Daffion, 21 Jump. Yes, yes. I love it. Though. So, you know the story because then Peter DeLuise. Yes. They were both in the original TV show. Yes, but he yeah. just stopped doing that part. Yeah. Cameo. Cameo. Yes. If he, they add the other one, the other guy. Peter that DeLuise. That was the deal yes. for him yeah. to do it. And it was a surprise. I didn't see that one. Well, they're guy. wearing disguises because they're undercover. I know, but yeah. you know, I had no, no clue. And it was like, oh, no, I like this movie yeah. even more because Johnny Depp is on it. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen him lately. <laughs> no. He looks like he's undercover still. Oh, no, yeah. come on. <laughs> he looks very thin. Well, yeah, well still, he's Johnny Depp. He's Jenny Depp. Yes, you would, yes. he can be. Your all-time you favorite. Want. Yes. You and my mom have something in common. <laughs> well, as always, Danielle, that's an amazing list. Good job. Yay. Do you want to say? Do you want to say cameo one more time before we go? Cameo. Very good. Yeah. We're gonna end it on that. <laughs> if you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for damn good movie memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the actual alcoholic. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. And the way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbeam. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world, and it's my number one podcast, signed by Science. Now, and then Science also says... Science! Science also said, my second favorite podcast is 
It doesn't matter. The rest suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Podbean. Check it out. Science! Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>